entrepreneurs podcast today we have with us mark schaefer how are you mark i couldn't be better i'm so delighted to be with you today i am so excited as well you're such a already such a great guest oh thank you <laughs> we haven't even awesome. started yet i know right no it's it's uh it's an honor to have you on the show mark thank you thank um, you um you know all the amazing things that you do and and also offer the audience you know mark is like um I don't know. He's, I would say he's one of the, he's one of the top marketing geniuses. I think that's playing this game because of the fact that he's humanizing everything. So I'm just very excited to kind of discuss everything and see what you're, what, what got you to this place. Um, and, and, and that's where we're going to begin. So I kind of allow you to kind of introduce yourself and, and, and what you specifically do, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, I do a lot, but the, sh- yes. the short version is, uh, I-, I think, you know, basically I'm a teacher in everything that I do. Yeah. I blog, I have a podcast, I'm a keynote speaker, I actually teach at a university, I've written nine books, I do strategy consulting, but when you get down to it, what I'm really doing is teaching yeah. <laughs> everywhere I go. And I think that's my, my superpower is I can take complicated ideas and distill it into an essence, into some form that people can uh, absorb and, and understand and, uh, and activate, Simplify. hopefully. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking my main question. Now I have nothing else to ask. Well, I'm just joking. <laughs> I usually, I usually it's been ask fun being end. with you today. Thank you I for your show. <laughs> I usually ask, like, you know, what's your what's your inner superpower? You already gave it. That's wicked. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing yeah, I, that. I think uh, I, I think really what I'm known for is I can see how trends come together and and sort of project where we need to be next. And uh, it took a long time for me to figure that out. You know, most people figure out what they're good at in their 20s. I was probably in the middle of my 30s when it started to dawn on me that, uh, you know, I've been doing some marketing jobs and that, you know, I was in the right place because mm-hmm. I could I could see where these things are, are going to go. And then I communicate those things in an honest way. Uh, I've, I think that's how I've earned my yeah. my audience mm-hmm. is, is to be yes. is to be unafraid. Uh, to say, this is where I think it's going to go. Maybe it's not where everybody else thinks it's going to go, but this is where I think it's going to go. And, uh, you know, I've had a pretty good track record. Yeah. And do you ever, my question is, do you ever engage your imagination when you, for you to see that future, right? The mm-hmm. steps ahead that everybody mm-hmm. else is is having trouble seeing. Do you engage your imagination? Like, do you go there and just kind of like Albert Einstein kind of stuff? Like, do you, do you think of it or it just comes to you? You just take chances testing. Well, no, I, I really think it through and, and I'll, I'll, you know, I do this all the time. It probably drives my wife crazy <laughs> yeah. because I, I kind of, I'm always thinking in, in marketing and business terms. And for example, you know, we'll, we'll be on a trip or something and I'll see something that I don't understand. So uh-huh. then I start going into this little brain exercise. I'll say, okay, this is what I observed. 
Now, what are the possible explanations for that? What would be the advantage to that? Why oh. would they do that? And then I'll come up with some, you know, kind of a theory as to why it would be that way. Hmm. So my, that's my brain is always, always thinking in that way. Mm-hmm. And this is a particularly uh, fascinating time, Shahed, because mm-hmm. you know everything is changing in the world. We don't really know what's going to be happening next. I think mm-hmm. this period that we're in with the coronavirus, you know, it's not a change. It's not an aberration. It's a reset. It's a reset, really. I don't mm-hmm. think we can trust mm-hmm. anything that we believed in or knew around consumer behaviors from 2019. Everything is new from 2020 forward. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, a hard time, a sad time. But, you know, from an academic perspective and a business perspective, it's been rather fascinating to try to think, where is this going to go? So it's been, you know, stimulating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good way to uh, look at it like a reset. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Like, look how everything was as normal. And then all of a sudden, everything is virtual. Mm-hmm. And then in virtual, now everything became normal. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I, I really like this lifestyle. Like, I don't yeah, want to drive places. <laughs> I want to just meet people like this, right? Definitely. Definitely. How are your views well, on that? Do you, do you, well, do you like think, it like this? or? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, everything is being renegotiated. How, mm-hmm. how we work and where we work, obviously. Mm-hmm. How we teach our children how we commune, how we connect, how we date, how we work out. I think our relationship with food has been renegotiated. Here's a fascinating little tidbit I saw the other day that applications to culinary schools have doubled in the last 12 months. Hmm. Why? Because people started cooking and baking at home. Yes. They decided that they liked it. And now they want to start their own businesses. They found and a new haircuts. way. And haircuts, probably, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it, it's going to take really, it's going to take a decade, really, to, to see how all this stuff plays out. You know, how our children are being socialized or not being socialized. Uh, it, it's just absolutely fascinating to see how all these it's it's a very complex cocktail that's at work right now and i think the greatest skill uh an entrepreneur can have right now honestly is humility is to just Mm. say i don't know it all and i need Mm. to pay i need to pay attention right now and really tune in to my customers and potential customers to see how they've changed and your you know your fact about how you feel being having a marketing strategy that is more humanized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more connecting um, people to people. Mm-hmm. In, that, in that way of doing business, do you, do you find people are having like trouble shifting? Because, you know, a lot of it was, was branding, right? Like a lot of marketing yeah. companies, they brand you in a specific yeah. image. Mm-hmm. Then you follow that image as a business owner, right? Or you're kind of not even in the image, the businesses. Yeah. Um, do you see that shift in your world right now in the market? Like, you know what? Hey, you have a client, for example, I said, listen, we've been doing this branding. We've been doing all this stuff mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, I think we need to shift it. Let's bring you out more. Oh, I don't want to go in front of the camera. Like, is there, is there a shift? 
Well, yeah, yes and no. And so let me, let me explain. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wrote this book, which is over my shoulder here, Marketing Rebellion. And the subtitle is The Most Human Company Wins. And this book has had really an extraordinary uh, impact uh, on, the, on the world, Shahed. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, a lot of companies have come to me and said, this is the plan. This is the way forward. Now, my observation is that some companies are going to be able to make this shift and others can't. Small companies, entrepreneurs, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. normally the, the, the startup founders, they are the face of the company, right? Yeah. They know their customers. They connect their customers. Now, what about big brands? You know, I had, I, I won't say the name of the company, but I had one, like, hundred million dollar company in Texas come to me and say, we want to make this shift. Everybody believes this from the top of the company, every executive in that company read that book, including the president of the company. And he is driving the change. All right. Now, and I'm helping them sort of unfold this. Then I was approached by a big pharmaceutical company and they said, this is the way, this is the way we would help you. I'm thinking really and, and I, I challenged them. I said, are you really built for this? Are you really built for this? I said, yes, yes. We have a new CMO and they're all over this and they want to make these changes. And then I just, just looking at their organizational chart, it was so big and complex and there's so mm-hmm. many layers and so many lawyers. Over time. And I just thought, I just don't know if it's going to work. And here's how it played out during the pandemic. The big companies... What did they do? They had all these ads because they're wedded to an advertising agency. They're wedded to a brand script. And what did they say? We're with you in these unprecedented times, right? And that became a joke. It became a meme. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. It was sort of a signature line to let people know we really don't care. We're just doing what our advertising agency tells us to Mm -hmm. do. Now, mm-hmm. let me give you another example. There's a, a, a furniture company in, in Texas, and you probably read in the news early this year, we had this devastating winter storm hit America, and it blew out power lines and, and brought in ice in places that don't normally get that, like Texas. And uh, the city of Houston, Texas, lost power. They didn't have water. They didn't have heat. And there was a big furniture store in Texas that still had power. And they said, if you're cold, come warm yourself at our store. They brought in food. They had a play area for the children. They had 500 people a night sleep in the store. Now, you might be thinking, what does that have to do with marketing? But what is marketing? Marketing is human-centered marketing that I advocate is it's about creating this emotional connection between what mm-hmm. you do and your audience. And I can guarantee you there's nobody in the city of Houston, Texas, that will ever buy furniture from anybody again other than this man. Because mm-hmm. instead of just saying, I'm with you in these unprecedented times, he said, if you're cold, come warm yourself. If you're hungry, I will feed you. That's what a friend does. When we treat customers like friends, it's, it's not just an opportunity to create 
an emotional attachment. It's an opportunity to become legendary. And, and, and that's the type of thing that I think entrepreneurs are, are, are especially capable of doing. Almost all of the success stories mm -hmm. that I document in that Marketing Rebellion book, they're young people, entrepreneurs, showing us a new way to do it, showing us a new way to connect with customers. So it is happening and it's very exciting. And I think uh, the, the main reason for the Clubhouse app, I'm, I'm yeah. sure you heard of it. So I think that's the main reason for its success too, right? Because it brought people down to that level. You're connecting. Well, I think Clubhouse was there. It was the, the right place at the right time. Mm. You know, people were isolated. They were lonely. Yeah. They had a lot of time on their hands because they were unemployed or underemployed. Uh, you know, I know America and, and Canada had similar stories there when we were going through our lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, Clubhouse sort of zoomed into the forefront. So it certainly uh, was an application that, um, you know, that filled a niche. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a little I like Clubhouse from a personal level, but from a business standpoint, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, I just don't know as you know. Not so many people are spending so much time on Clubhouse anymore because they're getting busier. <laughs> they're going yeah. back to work, right? Kids are uh -huh. going back to school and all that. Uh -huh. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think it'll have legs. I think it'll I think it'll persist. But you know, I don't think it's going to be you know huge. Mm -hmm. And they, because the point I meant, like when you're on that voice only app and mm -hmm. you're talking to each other, mm -hmm. like there's bonds there being created, right? Like, like since I've been on Clubhouse, mm -hmm. for example, the relationships that I have built, yeah. uh, I don't think I'll be able to build it through posting an image about myself, right? Yeah. Or sending yeah. a video, you know, that oh, it's connection, the humanization for, yeah. part. Yeah, it's great for networking. It really is. Yeah. And I've been, I've literally been very moved by some of the conversations that I've been part of in there, just, just listening um, about, you know, just listening to, you know, black civil activists, mm -hmm. let's say, or listening in a, in just sitting in a room and listening yeah. when the Israeli Palestinian conflict was going on. And it still mm -hmm. isn't, you know, probably always will be in some yeah. respect, but just to listen to, to Israelis and Palestinians in the same room, same That's room. magical. It's magical. magical. Yeah. You know, and they were polite and they were, you know, they were yeah. polite as they could be, I suppose. Yeah, as they could be. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, what a, what a wonderful time in history mm -hmm. we're in yeah. where we've got a platform that enables something like it's that. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you find like I you tend to end up you're spending a lot of time there. Like you mm -hmm. get um, like a one stage to another stage. So it's, it's very time consuming, obviously, but mm -hmm. you know, that is aspect of that humanization is, is really important. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about, for example, someone in, you know, as a mentor, right. Someone as a, as a coach, um, as you know, especially since the pandemic, like there's, there's so many, mentors and coaches popping up like left, right, center, mm -hmm. um, many, 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 like, 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 like so many. Right. So yeah. 
how do they, how would they differentiate? How can they differentiate to bring their message out? I know one is humanization, right? Connecting, doing the videos, but pretty much all of them are doing that. They're all on social media. They're all on Facebook yeah. live. And yeah. so how, what, is there some kind of recommendation you can give to that niche? They say, you know what, start doing this. It can help you stand out. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two recommendations that are, and I've actually studied this a lot. <laughs> oh, I, mean, good. I've, I've, I mean, I've written extensively. You study about everything in marketing. Well, I, don't study every, <laughs> I study the things that are interesting to me. And yeah. this is, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I would, I would say that over the last decade, really um, the trajectory of my career has been figuring out how do we stand out? How do we become the signal in this world of noise? So, and that really started, you know, gosh, you know, my first, I I wrote the first book on influence marketing back in 2012, where again, I I sort of projected that the power is shifting from big media companies to individuals. And around, I think it was like 2014, the lines crossed where more content is now being produced by people than media companies. And we're in this era of, of infinite media. Now, in this era of infinite media, how do we stand out? So then I wrote this book, Known, about how do we build this personal brand? And a key part of that, to answer your question, is we have to focus on, and this is harder than it sounds, what do we want to be known for? And it's, it, it, it's not necessarily your passion, because nobody maybe nobody cares about your passion, right? But it has to be a sustainable interest, right? You have to build on some competency, uh, some advantage that you have. Now, what's the next step? You need to combine this initial advantage, and it could be anything. It could be insight. It could be education. It could be connections. It could be some advantage that you have. How do you combine that with some shift going on in the world? Now, That's where some people are dropping the ball, right? They say, I want to be a coach because I love people or whatever. Well, who cares? Everybody loves people. But how are you relevant right now? I don't need a two-year plan. I don't need a five-year plan. How are you relevant right now in this moment? Now, let me give you a little example from my own personal life just to kind of illustrate how this works. Mm -hmm. So when the, the corona, when the pandemic hit, I got sick. My wife got sick. I got sick. I was, Me I was, too. I was very sick. I was, yeah. Are you, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope, I hope you're okay. I was, you know, I was sick no, for a month. Okay. I was sick for a month. It, my business crashed. All my speaking yeah. engagements were canceled. My yeah. consulting engagements were canceled. My college classes were canceled. My book sales dropped. And I went through a real period bad of disorientation. Time. It was a bad time. I went through this period of disorientation. What do I do? Where do I fit? So Mm -hmm. then I thought, okay, what is my core competency? It's exactly what I explained to you at the beginning of the program. I can take complicated concepts and explain them in an accessible way that people can use, internalize, and activate. But what I realized is that I needed to teach something else now. People didn't need to hear about marketing, people needed to hear, how do we get through this thing? How do we fight to the other side? How do we, how do we handle anxiety, disorientation, 
how do we handle when we don't know when this is going to end? We don't know what's going to be next. I completely pivoted my content, started teaching about something else. Traffic to my website doubled. Some people said this was the most helpful content they saw during the pandemic. I took all this content, forged it into an ebook called Fight to the Other Side, gave it away for free. The last page in the book was, if you like this content, think how much you're going to like a little talk I put together called Fight to the Other Side. If you need inspiration for your executive Zoom meeting, let me know. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you need, one small price, invite me to your meeting. Boom. By July, August, I was having record months. Now, what I was doing was I was taking this advantage that I had. I can teach and explain things in an inspirational way and a meaningful way. And I was hitting a fracture in the status quo. People were in boring Zoom meetings. They needed inspiration. They needed a spark. Mm -hmm. They needed a light, right? So that's what I went through. That was the that was this fracture in status quo. Now, it didn't last forever. We don't want it to last forever. But that's how I pursued a business opportunity in that moment. Now, we are in the biggest fracture of a status quo in the history of the human race, this pandemic. Everything is changing. Everything is being reimagined and reinvented. That's why we have so many startups right now. But it's not just having an idea and then announcing it to the world. You have to define, why am I relevant to you right now? And then look for the next one. Look for the next one. And these, these, these ideas are bombarding us. These little statistics are bombarding us all the time. Here's just a little one. Maybe it'll connect with somebody in your audience. I was, this, was an, this is amazing. Before the pandemic, 20% of Americans said they suffered from chronic sleep problems. Mm -hmm. Today, that number is 60%. That is a shift. That is a significant shift. What do these people need? 60% of our employees are tired and irritable. 60% of our customers are sleep deprived. 60% of our family members and people in our community are sleep deprived. What is the world going to need? If I'm an entrepreneur, what, do these, what are these people going to need? Are they going to need some sort of sleep aids? Are they going to need some sort of comfort? Are they going to need some sort of stress management? This is a huge new opportunity. It's not one for me. I'm not in that kind of a business. Long term, how's this going to show up in terms of chronic health problems? Lack of sleep can lead to heart disease. It can lead to diabetes. You know, how, what is going to be happening here? Are people going to need relationship counseling, family counseling? So, it's just being aware of how the world is changing and saying, this is where, I, this is where I'm going to be right now. This is how I'm going to be relevant right now. And that is the difference. That is the difference, uh, Shahed, but between, you know, all these coaches just showing up and really being relevant and successful. That is such gold you just shared. Thank you. That is, yeah, like that just got me got me going, you know, got me Good. thinking because it's, um, we're always trying to figure out 
you know, what are we going to do next month? What's three, mm-hmm. qu- three months from now and everything, but mm-hmm. having the realization that what are we, how are we relevant now? Like immediately yeah. and yeah, create guess, a strategy around we, it. Right now, we don't know what three months is going to be like. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, yeah, yeah, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Um, what would you recommend as your, for example, like your top three in the same situation, same type of people? What would be or the same type of business, I guess, or industry? What would mm-hmm. be your top three social media recommendations that they should do on a consistent basis? Well, once you really define what you need to be, what you want to be known for and how you're going to be relevant, then I, I, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be methodical and systematic about building your personal brand. Increasingly, the personal brand is the brand. We don't trust companies. We don't trust advertising. We don't trust marketing messaging. We trust each other. We trust mm-hmm. our friends. We trust our neighbors. By the way, we also trust technical experts, founders, and entrepreneurs. They're very, I mean, on the, all the research done by like the Edelman Trust Barometer, you know, entrepreneurs are very, are very valued and, and trusted. So increasingly the personal brand is the brand. It, you are the company. So now, but how do you do that in a methodical way? And we talked about this idea of really being mindful about what you want to be known for. What really fuels that is content. So I'm going to answer your question in sort of a different way. Yeah, I see social media as the distribution system. It's like the trucks taking the product to market. And really to build a personal brand, it's not complicated and it's not overwhelming. You have four choices. You have to create content consistently in one of four ways. You need to write it. You need to record it like a video series on YouTube. You need to do an audio series like a podcast like you're doing right now where you need to create relevant and meaningful visual content like something you'd put on Instagram or Pinterest. And if you're an entrepreneur, a small business, you pick just one because Mm. you've got to be great. It's hard to be great in 10 places. Now, once you have something that's written, once you have a podcast or a blog, now you can take that blog, you have it on your website, You can post it on LinkedIn. You can post it on Twitter. You can put it on Medium. You can, uh, you know, uh, you you use social media as as the distribution channel, right? So it's really about consistency, creating consistent, human, helpful content that has, you know, some personality, some voice Mm -hmm. and, and doing it every week, week in, week out, without end. I mean, I, my, my content choice uh, when I started out was, was blogging. I blogged 650 weeks in a row without missing at least one, usually two blog posts a week for 650 straight weeks. After I was blogging for five years, I decided to also do podcasting, but I did it in a way that didn't take away the energy 
and the quality of my blog, because I cannot let that audience down. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm building mm-hmm. this audience and they it's trust a relationship. Me. Yeah. Now I've been doing, I'm in the ninth year of my podcast. Right. So it, 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 there's no such thing as an overnight success. I mean, it takes months and months and months, maybe even years. And if, if someone really wants to know the pattern to do it, I do rep, rep, uh, recommend that book known that I wrote about mm-hmm. personal branding. I mean, I took, it took two years of research and writing to, to produce that book and I nailed it. <laughs> I mean, it really works. So, and it talks about the consistency. It talks, there's lots of exercises in there about how do you figure out what you want to be known for and how you want to show up and where you want to show up. How do you develop an audience that's, that's going to mean something, not just a social media audience. Yeah. They're not going to buy anything from you. How do you people? Yeah. How, right. How do you build those relationships that can help you make your dreams come true? So that's kind of a weird answer that, Social media is, is it's just a distribution just channel. A channel. It's the it's channel. It's just like another medium. It's, yeah. But you, what you really need to focus on is the fuel. And that's one consistent, meaningful type of content. Yeah, we do. We have that FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. So people, yeah. you know, one new thing, the other new thing, they keep going, going. They end up with many, many channels Right, meteor like they're not managed properly, so they're not consistent. Yeah, and I just went through the, the same thing. Part. Yeah, you know when yeah. Clubhouse was coming out, hot, yeah. hot, hot. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody, you know. And I explored it and I did it, but you know, there's there's two major problems. Is one when you create content on Clubhouse, nobody can find it later. No. And 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 number two, it just takes a tremendous amount of time. Oh my god! So you're spending a lot of time. <laughs> creating content nobody can find. That's a problem. Now, as you said, very keenly and wisely, it's a great place for networking. It's a great way mm-hmm. for building connections. And, um, but it didn't fit for me. And I had to like stay in my lane and say, you know, I, I looked at it, I assessed it, but just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean mm-hmm. I'm going to commit to it. It's, I, I, yeah. I honor it for what it is. But it's yeah. not. It's, it's just not going to be a core competency for me because I have to, I have to be great wherever I am, and I mm-hmm. can't take on Clubhouse and be great. Yeah, you have to be careful of the you know the f- following the followers mentality, right? You kind of right. create, and creative brings me to this this question. Mm-hmm. It's kind of off topic, but th- have you, Mark? ever done any kind of mindset training or any kind of work, internal work in your life ever? Um, or you were naturally like calm like this and have always just been like this. Like, is this some, did you do kind of some kind of work, internal work ever in your life? Uh, yeah, actually I did. Uh, <laughs> um, it's funny because no, no, one, no one has ever asked me that question before. Well, there you go. Yeah. So good job. That's that, by the way, is the key to a great show. So and congratulations that is the key to, to a great life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you, you, yeah, you knocked that out of the park. So when I was, oh gosh, probably maybe late twenties, or early thirties, I was working at a, at a big fortune 100 company and I was going up the corporate ladder, right? I was in this executive grooming program and I was going to be a leader of the company. And I was, 
you know, full of, you know, full of uh, just energy and just, you know, ready yeah. to get to the next level. As part of this executive training program, we, we went through this program and I ended up getting a mat. I was so interested in it. I actually ended up getting a, a master's degree in applied behavioral sciences. And we, we went through this exercise. It was like maybe the first week of this program. And we were sitting in these groups and we were supposed to talk about our feelings. And I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to get out of there. So this, this, this wise, wise teacher came up to me. He saw that I was struggling. This is a man who ended up being a lifelong mentor for me. He came up to me and he, and he looked, me, looked at me and he said, Mark, what would you say the number one emotion you feel most of the time? And without hesitation, mm. I said, anxiety. Oh. Why wouldn't I be feeling anxiety? I'm sitting in this stupid class instead of being at work, right? <laughs> so then I was really, you know, kind of being a smart ass. And I said, well, what's the feeling you feel most of the time? I can't see that, Mark. And he's, yeah. And, he's, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he looked at me and he said, joy. And that was a moment that changed my life because, and you could see over my head, I have the word joy. Yeah. Because I realized he was right. There's no yeah. question in my mind mm -hmm. that he was a joyful person in every moment. And I, I made a decision that I was on the wrong path. I needed to make more decisions that led to joy. And so that has guided me really from that moment on. And, and sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it could be hard. It could be difficult. It, it could be less joyful because you have to do what you have to do for your family or for your health or for your friends or whatever. But overall, you know, I'm making decisions that, 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 that lead to joy. It was Good. a huge, it was a huge mindset shift for me. That's awesome. And even today, I mean, I make decisions all the time where I leave money on the table because it's going to take no me joy. away from joy. It's going to take me away from the things that are important to me. And, uh, and so I'm going to be better off in the awesome. long term if I, if I, if I decide on joy. That's awesome. And is that one of the reasons why you came on super entrepreneurs podcast because of joy? That was a decision that led to joy because I got <laughs> yes. to meet you and talk to you. Awesome. Mark. And this has awesome. been nothing, this has been nothing but fun. Amazing. I love, that's how I live my life now. But before I was, mm. um, envious Yeah. Um, of people. Yeah. Like I was, I think about it now that I've, I had this jealousy when I saw other business people, I wasn't very common, but I would find one or two that were just doing very well, but they're very happy, very joyful, very mm -hmm. um, enthusiastic, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. what the heck is going on? I feel frustrated. You know, like I'm, I'm like feeling weird. Why is this guy so Like what's going on? But I couldn't really figure out what that was until recently. But COVID was a, a blessing for me. But, but yeah, like this joy is everything. And that person, what he said that to you, I can see every reason why that that has shifted your life. Because why are you going to do something that there's no joy in it? Because money is just a tool. Money's just money's going to come to you somehow, you know. And if you're taking a decision based on money as I don't know how it ends up. Right. So, well, you need some money. 
but money's probably, good, but, but I'm but, saying but, but not probably, just. But probably less than you really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really. But you need admit, to be happy, so. right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I enjoy you know hiking and biking and spending time in the woods and on the lake and playing tennis with my wife and you know those you know those are that that is nature the best. Guy? This, I'm a big nature guy. Oh, me too. Big me nature too. guy. Huge. Yeah, as me much too. as I can. Yeah. Do, you go, uh, do you camp? I used to. <laughs> Why used to? Come on, bro, come back. Because my, my bones just can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, you can shift. You can shift. You can shift like the concept of camping, but yeah. you can still be in nature, right? Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we spend a lot of time. I mean, we live in a beautiful part of the world. We live right in the foothills of the great smoky mountain national park so we have lots of opportunities for wonderful wonderful experiences here oh that's great that's great um one more question and then Mm -hmm. you know sure i'll 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 let you go but the Mm -hmm. last question i want to know is what would be your top one idea for an entrepreneur to connect human to human to connect more like the, the one thing, if they focus on like we're, you're, you have that principle of don't do too many things. Right. So yeah. if that one thing that you can give them and say, you know what, just do this, focus on this and you'll build better relationships, better uh, long-term. The first thing I would do is look at everything that you're doing in your marketing. And if you're doing things that people hate, stop it because that's not human. That's not what we do. So if you're spamming them, if you're annoying them, if you're doing, you know, robocalls or any of these practices that people just hate, stop it. And then really get out there and listen to your customers and find out what they need and what they love. And the core idea behind all of this is that the customer is the marketer. That's who we believe. They're not going to believe you. So you've got to create this connection. You've got to create a story and a narrative that's so cool, so shareable, so relevant that they're going to want to tell your story. And it's the most human company, the most human whatever, the most human consultant, the most human university, the most human insurance company. That's who's going to win. So look, just assess everything that you're doing and think, how can we show our face? How can we show our hearts, our smile, our passion in an extraordinary way? And that's what will win. It's emotional, but that's what, um, that's what people want. They want to connect with people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, that's what we've always wanted. Yeah, that's what we always wanted, but we thought we had to pretty up, you know, make it more mm-hmm. complicated to connect to people. But just bringing it back to that is everything. Um, I wanted You mentioned about robots, right? I wanted to ask you. Um, I think you said bots, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. saying like, yeah, one more, one more question mm-hmm. for people that use these bots for DMS, for example, like yeah. I, I have my personal feelings about them, but I am just wondering what you think is when you're messaging someone with a keyword and then the bot starts communicating with you, right? There's many avenues of automation. I'm just referring to the DM component. What are your views on that? Does that build a, is that a problem? Well, I'm only against technology when it creates a barrier between our company and our customers. Automation can tear down barriers like you and I are doing right now. We're recording this, but we're seeing each other on Zoom. Mm -hmm. 
So we mm-hmm. can see our faces and we can see mm-hmm. the, you know, our, our, our countenance and, and, and you, you can hear the passion in my voice. That's mm-hmm. amazing. What a cool opportunity. So yay for technology. Mm-hmm. But when we use technology in a way that abuses customers or annoys customers, then that is a road to disaster. And, it, you know, it might be easy and it might be cheap and it might be intoxicating because we can reach 99,000 people for, you know, $2 or something. But if we're annoying most of them, then it really isn't, it really isn't worth it. We're, we're destroying our, our brand. So, you know, bots are fine if they can make your company more human. If they can make you more accessible, if you can solve problems easier, but if you're using it to interrupt and annoy people, like a lot of people are doing on LinkedIn, by the way, then that, uh, you know, that just, it, you know, pe- people that send me irrelevant bot generated messages on LinkedIn, they've ruined it for themselves. <laughs> I'm never going to connect with them. Uh, you know, so uh, but, but DM, but, but for the DM, like in like, for example, Instagram, right. So, you know, they, because they, their reasoning for entrepreneur, for example, that they have too many people sending messages on a daily basis. So if they're getting like 500 messages a day, it's impossible for them to respond. So they put in a bot. Um, but then there's a lot of consumers that they say, well, I don't want to be a bot. I don't want to chat. I want a human. I want a human. Right. So that part. Well, I, I think, you know, it, it, as, as a brand grows and, and, and celebrity grows, you know, there is an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to automate some. But, uh, you know, I want to tell you something that so I've got, you know, tens of thousands of, of people who follow me around the world that read my blog and listen to my podcast and read my books, I think on Twitter, I have, I don't know, maybe 180,000 followers or something like that. I interact, I interact personally every single day. It doesn't take me that long. If someone asks me a question on a tweet or sends a message to me on Instagram, I respond back. It may take 20 or 30 minutes a day. Uh, now, you know, maybe someday I would get to a point where there's millions of people, but, you know, I I would point to like someone like the artist Taylor Swift, who has like 5 million followers on Twitter, and she still finds a way to send Christmas presents to some of her biggest fans. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe you can communicate with everybody, or maybe you're like in a big stadium like a rock concert and you can only slap the hands of the people in the front row. Yeah. But you can still send that message that it's me and I'm mm. communicating com- communicating in a human way as as best as as I as I can. Mm. And honestly it, it 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 doesn't take it doesn't take that long. I think people overthink automation. Mm-hmm. 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 Let me, let me give you, diff- I, mm-hmm. I hope we're not going over time, but let me just no, give you no, one, no. one. Let me give you one, one. This is, this is a beautiful example. <laughs> oh, I love this. I went to a car dealership, right? And I was, I, I was like really, really busy. I had one day I could, I, I needed to like trade out my car and get this new lease. And I went online. I found exactly the car I wanted. So I go to this uh, BMW dealership and, um, I exchanged all these emails with a salesperson. He said, yes, Mr. Schaefer, I'll be there at 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And I got there. He wasn't there. 
And I waited and I waited and I waited. And finally, 30 minutes later, I said, you know, where is this guy? And the receptionist said, oh, this is his day off. He was never going to be here today. And I said, but he was sending me all these emails. She said, oh, that was our automation. That was our automation bot. Huh. He never sent these. He never sent these emails. So I, I talked to the sales manager because this was sort of upsetting for me because nobody knew I was even coming. I said, let me just ask you, how many appointments would a salesperson have on an average day? They said, uh, maybe two. Now, do you need to automate that or is that just crazy? You can't personally connect with two people a day if they're buying a BMW. That's ridiculous, right? So that sh- that is a that yeah. is an example of being mm. obsessed with technology in an mm. unhealthy way that creates a barrier, and it led to such. It was just the tip of the iceberg of such a horrible customer experience. I will never buy a car from that dealership again, ever. It's mm-hmm. it, it, the, the whole system I understand. Is, 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 is broken. Yeah. And that's the feeling like for you, I had this discussion with a few people and for me, like uh, some days I'll get so many DMS mm-hmm. that I'll find a 10 minutes, five minutes on mm-hmm. Instagram to go through them. Mm-hmm. But I get bombarded by these companies saying, you know, bought this and bought this. It can it'll act like yeah. a human. It'll do this and all that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I tell people just DM me super and then mm-hmm. for a, a free consultation. Right. But it doesn't mean I have a bot. I just say super just so I know what they're asking for. They yeah. don't have to give a whole spiel in the text. Right. Right. right so, right. but I just feel more happy when I do that one by one. I just, I don't know. I yeah. just don't feel comfortable with the bot component because mm-hmm. it annoys me. Like for me, when I deal with someone and I just yeah. see bots coming at me after, right. Yeah. Now, I say, you know what? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just another number. Mm-hmm. I don't feel great about it. Right. And I think so. it's perfectly okay. Even if you need to, um, you know, default to having a live human assistant do it at some point. Yeah, exactly. You know, saying, yeah. Hey, you know, Shahed's not available right now, yeah. but let me schedule something for you. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. We appreciate you. Right. That's, yep, that's legitimate. True. That's legitimate. Right. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. there, there is a role for bots. There is, I'm not being mm-hmm. anti-technology, but mm-hmm. it just has to be an enabler for yeah. compassion and humanity, not a disabler. Yes. Yes. Agree. 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 It's such a, it's been such an amazing interview. You know, I've been, um, I could continue this on for, for a while, Mark. Um, you're, whatever you're doing is great. And the most important is that your care for people, um, which is, is incredible because either you're genuinely like that or you just, you know, you're branding it that way. Right. So there's, <laughs> so with you, I, I just sense that, that, that genuineness is there mm-hmm. is that you're trying to help entrepreneurs. You're trying to help business owners. You know, you're, you're, you're going out of your way to develop this training to educate people so people can be more aware that mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. And I hope you continue that work and you have a long, healthy, no bone aching life. And so you can, you can really be serving for a very, very long time. Mark. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your very kind words. And thank you for being so well prepared and doing such a great interview today. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a, have a great day. 